UK Report with Adam Gilchrist. Good morning, Squire. Hey, good morning, kiddo. Now, flood incompetence. How can a flood be incompetent? <laughs> yes, I suppose incompetence over floods. <laughs> or because of floods, or with floods. Uh, you get the idea. This was coming, yeah, wasn't do. it? Be- because uh, we've been banging on about um, the soggy parts of Britain and how they are remaining soggy and not getting any better. And uh, lo and behold, there's been a backlash now in uh, in Somerset in particular, the Somerset levels of this countryside, which has been ankled to knee deep. I mean, it's been underwater in some way for a month, since just before Christmas. And uh, David Cameron has said that... Um, Absolutely. Now there will be the dredging of rivers and some are saying, well, hang on, we've been asking for that for 20 years. Where have you been? The suggestion is that dredging rivers sometimes can be very expensive. But nonetheless, Mm. the the alternative is to see farms being wrecked. Uh, David Cameron is also saying that he might send the army in with vehicles. Well, you kind of thought they might have carried out that assessment before. In fact, we were told at least two weeks ago that the army were, in inverted commas, on standby. Well, obviously they weren't if they're only now carrying out an assessment of what they could possibly do to help. And there are people in the Somerset levels who talk about staggering incompetence and who say, well, hang on, it took two weeks to connect up a pumping station. It sits there waiting to pump water out of some farmland, but wasn't connected for two weeks. Oh. And, and then also, after four weeks, there was a photo opportunity for the environment minister at the start of this week. And they say, well, he, he didn't even get his feet wet. It was just all about being seen to be doing the right thing and not doing the right thing. So you can see why many people felt abandoned to the elements. You did say minister, did you? Yes. Politicians. Well, there you go. Speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> now, a cure for peanut allergy. Now, that sounds good because I love peanut butter. I don't have the allergy, though. Uh, well, it's interesting. That, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a small percentage who have the allergy. But actually, there's, there's a whole thing. I remember when... Uh, children were small, there was a whole thing about not letting them eat peanuts until over the age of seven, or any kind of nut until the age of seven, because you're more likely to develop an allergic reaction. There's all this sort of stuff, some of which is scientific and some of which is apocryphal. And uh, what we have here is an actual study, and I have to stress here, they are saying do not try this at home for anyone who has a nut allergy, but under medical conditions, Cambridge researchers have found that they can treat children and adults with peanut allergy to the extent of 84% success rate whereby they can actually eat things with nuts in after six months and they treat them by giving them the peanuts. Tiny amounts, of course, tiny, tiny amounts to build up and up, uh, starting off with peanut protein powder, etc. And the deal with this is that in the UK every year, 10 people die from peanut allergy. Um, That's you know, that's 10 people who, who really ought not to be. Yeah. And there's, I know a lot of parents, um, my cousin is extremely allergic to peanuts. And um, as a result, mum has spent her entire life worrying about sending them off to school, to, to birthday parties, etc., etc. This This really could help. Certainly can. And Bin Roberts, three men arrested for stealing... Uh, sorry, Bin Robbers. I thought Bin Roberts was uh, another one of your politicians. Uh, bin, <laughs> uh, bin Robbers. Three men Obama arrested... Bin Robber. <laughs> uh, yeah, what we have here is three homeless men, uh, or squatters, or vagrants in another language, I suppose, <laughs> who were being charged under the 1824 Vagrancy Act with stealing food out of the giant bins at the back of a supermarket, at which point you think... What is that stealing? This is food that's going to be chucked in a landfill. This is yeah. food past its use-by date. This is food they're not going to sell anymore. Uh, these three guys helped themselves to, to uh, well, cheese and cakes and tomatoes that, as I say, all gone by, past their use-by date. 
from the bins in North London, in Kentish Town. Uh, and the staff of the supermarket say absolutely no way did they shop them and call the police. But the police turned up and arrested them on their own initiative, <laughs> in inverted commas. <laughs> the Crown Prosecution Service has seen sense and decided not to charge the three. But there is that thought. You know, we're living in a country at the moment that is still trying to overcome all sorts of hardships. The number of people in, as they say, food poverty has grown. Food banks, these sort of very, very cheap ways of, of getting food, they have grown incredibly over the past four or five years. The idea that stealing food could be punished in a court. Well, you just think, it's that moment when if you ever get caught speeding by a policeman, you want to say, can't you go and do something, you know, can't you actually go and catch a criminal? And that's what you sort of feel with this, isn't it? No, absolutely. And then Britain, Britain's vintage speedster. Yeah, this is, this is quite something. This is an old 1924 Sunbeam. It looks like a 1924 Sunbeam as well. It's an old thing with a... It all looks like paper-thin metal and, uh, you know, the, the uh, running tracks going along the side and all that. Anyway, this is the first car to break 150 miles per hour when they uh, did these things. A land speed record set in 1924 by Sir Malcolm Campbell. His Sunbeam was formally retired. In fact, it was last driven in 1962 and stored away for years at the National Motor Museum, run by Lord Montague. Lord Montague actually was the last chap to drive this thing. Well, he's now also the latest chap to drive it, because after 52 years, they've got this thing out, and I suppose, therefore, in total, were 89 years since they last had a go, or getting on for 90 years. And they've carried out all sorts of tinkering beneath the bonnet. They've basically rebuilt the car. And guess what? Mm -hmm. 1924 Sunbeam started first time. What? Yours and my cars wouldn't do that after a couple of years being no. idle. <laughs> I remember my dad having a Sunbeam Alpine. Oh, yeah, back. they were all the rage. I remember there was Absolutely. a Talbot Sunbeam as well that used to do the rounds, yes. <laughs> Adam, as always, great chatting to you. You remember that Sunbeam? Mm, gives away his age quite regularly, doesn't he? Uh, Adam Gilchrist, great chatting to you, and I'll chat to you tomorrow. Cheers, Keith. Cheers, mate.